Welcome, Christian Israel. The good ship Eurofolk is sailing again. And of course, this is Genesis to Revelation. Today is February 5th, 2022. And we're still alive. The Rothschilds have still not managed to exterminate the Eurofolk. <laughs> They're trying really hard, but it's not going to work. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Dan, the uh, what I've the information I've got from Britain, the uh, the fact that uh, what's his name Boris Johnson has eliminated all mandates, all COVID mandates, and uh, the information I have the reason for that is because so many lawsuits have been filed against doctors and hospitals that it's causing a, a major strain on you know, the COVID uh, you know operation which is very, very good. We need to do that here in America. But uh, there's also other legal remedies here because uh, I just recently found out that there's uh, the, every office holder in America has a, a lien or a bond against them to uphold the Constitution. And so if they violate the Constitution, any injured party can uh, make a claim against the bond. It depends on... Yeah, how much the bond is for a particular office or office holder. But you can sue that uh, claimant, that uh, office holder. If they don't abide by the Constitution, you can sue them, and you can sue them for more than the bond, which makes them liable. To, so if their bond is like $4 million, you can sue them for $10 million and which would make them personally liable for the rest, right? Wow. Okay. I wonder if you'd win, though. Do you think you have well, any chance of uh, yeah, uh, there's uh, there's a whole movement now to, and they've removed a couple of people from office already, okay? And so I'm going to be talking about that tonight on Restoration Hour, because this is very, very important. You, know, you get rid of those damn, uh, you know, corrupt politicians and uh, uh, what are you, bureaucrats, corrupt politicians and bureaucrats who are simply going along with this mandate, which is totally unconstitutional, Right. So uh, we can now uh, really have some legal firepower against all these corrupt office holders, and it's getting very interesting. So because that's already happening in Britain, and now it needs to start happening here in America, okay? Uh, we need to use every legal means possible before the shooting starts. We know the shooting's going to start because the Rothschilds are never going to give up. They're, you know, they've reached a point of no return. And they want to destroy America precisely because we're white and we're Christian, right? That's why they want to destroy America. So, uh, and, uh, you know, all of these people who are being hurt and injured and killed by COVID, by the COVID uh, methodology, the, the COVID corporations, etc., this needs to stop. It just needs, uh, and we see the convoy mm -hmm. in Canada is uh, operating along the same principles and uh, we know they're going to try to sabotage the con In fact, the uh, uh, Millennial Millie has uh, uh, done a video, which I haven't put up on Eurofolk yet, which shows that GoFundMe has stolen the money from the convoy. They had $9 million on GoFundMe, and they have oh, stolen wow. Yeah, they've stolen that money, and Millennial Millie did a, a survey of, you know, well, who really owns... Uh, GoFundMe, and it turns out again to be the Rothschilds, right? Uh, BlackRock wow. Black and other corporations behind all of these GoFundMe and even PayPal 
uh, is, of course, all these Rothschild corporations, okay? So people are starting to get wise to this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So, okay, now we're getting wise to a lot of definitions uh, in the Bible that uh, you know, we can't rely on Strunk's concordance exclusively. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, when Steve was with us, of course, he's still in a nursing home in Kentucky. He was able to, uh, you know, go into detail on the true meanings of these Hebrew words. It's not just, uh, it's not just as simple as, uh, you know, the, the so-called, the, the so-called uh, Strong's Concordance, all right? There's more to it than Strong ever imagined in, in case, many cases, right? And uh, Swamp Fox says the die-off is here. Life insurance payouts skyrocket 258% as post-vaccine deaths rapidly accelerate. Yes, we, now we're reporting. Uh, there was really no increase in the death rate in 2020, but ever since the vaccine mandates, or vax, it can't be called a mandate. Actually, it is, but it's an illegal mandate, okay? And an unconstitutional mandate. And uh, corporations and local governments have been participating. Of course, the federal government under Biden has been participating, but it's all illegal, it's all totally illegal, and Americans are starting to get wise to it and starting to fight back. So, uh, but we have a couple of uh, articles that we want to read from as we uh, progress into the book of Numbers. <clears throat> We're almost done. So, uh, why don't you pick up where we left off, uh, please, Dan? Okay, we were on Numbers chapter 33, verse 33. Okay. Uh, and they went from Horhagid Gad and pitched in Jotbatha. And they removed from Jabatha and encamped at Ebrana. And they departed from Ebrana and encamped at Eziongaber. And they removed from Eziongaber and pitched in the wilderness of Zin, which is Kadesh. And they removed from Kadesh and pitched in Mount Hor, in the edge of the land of Edom. And Aaron the priest went up into Mount Hor at the commandment of Yahweh and died there. In the fortieth year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt, in the first day of the fifth month. And Aaron was 123 years old when he died in Mount Hor. And King Arad the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, which, which dwelt in the south in the land of Canaan, heard of the coming of the children of Israel. And they departed from Mount Hor and pitched in Zalmona. And they departed from Zalmona and pitched in Punan. And they departed from Punan and pitched in Oboth. And they departed from Oboth and pitched in Ijebarim, in the border of Moab. And they departed from Im and pitched in Dibongad. And they removed from Dibongad and encamped at Almond Diblatham. <laughs> and they removed from Almond Diblatham and pitched in the mountains of Abiram before Nebo. And they departed from the mountains of Abram and pitched in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. And they pitched by Jordan from Beth Jeshemoth even unto Abel Shittim in the plains of Moab. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, just uh, one comment on the word uh, Arad. Uh, there's a major town in uh, Romania named Arad. So we can see that these biblical place names have been carried by both the, the the un, uh, how should I put this? Uh, the, the Israelites who be, uh, adopted Canaanite paganism and were shipped north by Yahweh, but not all of them did. 
you know, but uh, we can see a lot of these Canaanite place names that were carried by the paganized Israelites into Europe. Uh, they named their towns after after these both Canaanites and Canaanite gods and goddesses. Back to you. And the Lord and Yahweh spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and destroy all their pictures, and destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. And ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land, and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. And you shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families. And to the more you shall give the more inheritance, and to the fewer you shall give the less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth. According to the tribes of your fathers you shall inherit. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which yet which ye let remain out of them let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. Okay, and this is a prophecy which is still true today, <laughs> right? Because we have mm-hmm. not, they had not driven them out and they're vexing us even to this day. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. Okay, pay close attention, folks, because if we don't obey Yahweh's laws, he will punish us in the manner that he intended to punish the Canaanites. All right? So this is still true today. Okay? All right, well, I think we can, uh, why don't we just go ahead and finish off numbers, because there's only three chapters left, and then we'll do that word study. Okay, back to you. All right, Numbers chapter 34, And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall unto you for an inheritance, even the land of Canaan with the coast thereof. Then your south quarter shall be from the wilderness of Zin, along by the coast of Edom, and your south border shall be the outmost coast of the Salt Sea eastward. And your border shall turn from the south, to the ascent of Akrabam, and pass on to Zin, and the going forth thereof shall be from the south to Kadesh Barnea, and shall go on to Hazaradar, and pass on to Asmon. And the border shall fetch a compass from Asmon unto the river of Egypt, and the goings out of it shall be at the sea. And as for the western border, ye shall even have the great sea for a border. This shall be your west border. And this shall be your north border. From the great sea you shall point out for you Mount Hor. From Mount Hor you shall point out your border unto the entrance of Hamath. And the goings forth of the border shall be to Zedad. And the border shall go on to Ziphron. And the goings out of it shall be at Hazarenim. This shall be your north border. And you shall point out your east border from Hazarenim to Shepham. And the coast shall go down from Shepham to Riblah, on the east side of Ain. And the border shall descend, and shall reach unto the sea of the sea of Chinnereth eastward. The side of the sea of Chinnereth eastward. And the border shall go down to Jordan, and the goings out of it shall be at the salt sea. This shall be your land with the coast thereof round about. And Moses commanded the children of Israel, saying, This is the land which ye shall inherit by lot. 
which Yahweh commanded to give unto the nine tribes and to the half tribe. For the, for the tribe of the children of Reuben, according to the house of their fathers, and the tribe of the children of Gad, according to the house of their fathers, have received their inheritance, and the half tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance. The two tribes and the half tribe have received their inheritance on this side Jordan near Jericho eastward toward the sun rising. Verse 16, And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, These are the names of the men which shall divide the land unto you, Eleazar the priest, and Joshua the son of Nun. And you shall take one prince of every tribe to divide the land by inheritance. And the names of the men are these, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, and of the tribe of the children of Simeon, Shimuel, the son of Amahud, of the tribe of Benjamin, Eladad, the son of Chislon, and the tribe and the prince of the tribe of the children of Dan, Bukai, the son of Jogli, and the prince of the children of Joseph, for the tribe of the children of Manasseh, Haniel, the son of Ephod, and the prince of the tribe of the children of Ephraim, Kemuel, the son of Shiphthan, and the prince of the tribe of the children of Zebulun, Elizaphan, the son of Parnak, and the prince of the tribe of the children of Issachar, Paltiel, the son of Azan, and the prince of the tribe of the children of Asher, Ehud, the son of Shalomi, and the prince of the tribe of the children of Naphtali, Petahel, the son of Amahud. These are they whom Yahweh commanded to divide the inheritance unto the children of Israel in the land of Canaan. Okay, so all of these uh, currently named here uh, settled on the west side of the Jordan River, but the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh settled on the east side of the Jordan River, and that is where Ruth, the so-called Moabitess, uh, settled. Okay. So that land was uh, inhabited by these two and a half tribes, but it was cleansed of Moabites at least 200 years before Ruth even settled there. So there's no way that Ruth could be a Moabitess by race, okay? Has to be a territorial word at this point in history. So the history of the migrations and the settlements, etc., has to be taken into account before you can jump to the conclusion that the word Moabitus is a racial term. It wasn't. Uh, mm -hmm. no, is it? By, her, by the time she settled there, it was purely a territorial word. Okay, back to you. All right, Numbers chapter 35. And Yahweh spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Command the children of Israel that they give unto the Levites of the inheritance of their possession cities to dwell in. And ye shall give also unto the Levites suburbs for the cities round about them. And the cities shall they have to dwell in, and the suburbs of them shall be for their cattle, and for their goods, and for all their beasts. And the suburbs of the cities which ye shall give unto the Levites shall reach from the wall of the city and outward a thousand cubits round about. And ye shall measure from without the city on the east side two thousand cubits, and on the south side two thousand cubits, and on the west side 2,000 cubits, and on the north side 2,000 cubits, and the city shall be in the midst. This shall be to them the suburbs of the cities. And among the cities which ye shall give unto the Levites, there shall be six cities for refuge, which ye shall appoint for the manslayer, 
that he may flee thither. And to them you shall add forty and two cities. So all the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be forty and eight cities. Them shall you give with their suburbs. And the cities which ye shall give shall be of the possession of the children of Israel. For them that have many, ye shall give many. But from them that have few, ye shall give few. Every one shall give of his cities unto the Levites according to his inheritance which he inherited. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye become over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares. And they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not, until he stand before the congregation in judgment. And of these cities which ye shall give, six cities ye shall have for refuge. Ye shall give three cities on this side Jordan, and three cities ye shall give in the land of Canaan. Which, ye shall, which shall be cities of refuge. These six, city, these six cities shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the strangers and for the sojourner among them, that every one that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. And if he smite with an instrument of iron so that he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. And if he smite him with the throwing stone, Wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Okay, so it looks like there's a lot of uh, Hatfields versus the McCoys action going on, right? <laughs> yeah, Where, really. Okay, so in other words, uh, unawares. The word unawares here is important. So if you accidentally kill somebody, that uh, he has a city of refuge to go to before there is some kind of trial... May, you know, I guess because they had not yet established the judges in Israel, okay, that uh, there was a lot of vengeance going on uh, from one you know family clan to another, and so this is why they set up the cities of refuge because there really wasn't any lawful setup yet where Israelites who committed crimes can be judged. So the judges period has yet to be established once the Israelites were, you know, established in the land of Canaan. All right, so the cities of refuge had to be set up first. Back to you. All right, uh, verse 18. <clears throat> or if he smite him with a hand weapon of wood, wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The revenger of blood himself shall slay the murderer. When he meeteth him, he shall slay him. But if he thrust him of hatred or hurl at him by laying a weight that he die, or in enmity smite him with his hand that he die, he that smote him shall surely be put to death, for he is a murderer. The revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meets him. But if he thrust him suddenly without enmity, or have cast upon him anything without laying a weight, or with any stone wherewith a man may die, seeing him not, and cast it upon him, that he died, and was not his enemy, neither sought his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the revenger of blood according to these judgments. And the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hand of the revenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to, his city, to the city of his refuge, whither he was fled. Okay, so there was uh, the office of executioner... <laughs> Was yeah. already created uh, created in these days. 
Very interesting. Okay. And if we if we followed these laws today, we'd have a lot less crime. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> but it's pretty obvious that the office of avenger slash executioner could be uh, you know t- uh, uh, mis uh, misrepresented as well, right? Because uh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, like I said, the judges period has yet to come about so that uh, you know, uh, or, uh, order uh, can be established among the tribes of Israel, okay? All right, let's continue. All right, <clears throat> continuing verse 25, and he shall abide in it unto the death of the high priest, which was anointed with the holy oil. But if the slayer shall at any time come without the border of the city of his refuge, whither he was fled, and the revenger of blood find him without the borders of the city of his refuge, and the revenger of blood kill the slayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, because he should have remained in the city of his okay. refuge until the death of the high priest. Yeah, so, it's, the, so it's kind of like a prison without walls and, uh, and mm-hmm. gates and doors, etc., okay? But after the death of the high priest, the slayer shall return into the land of his possession. So these things shall be for a statute of judgment unto you throughout your generations and all your dwellings. Whoso killeth any person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses. But one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. Moreover, you shall take no satisfaction for the life of a murderer, which is guilty of death, but he shall surely be, be surely put to death. And you shall take no satisfaction for him that is fled to the city of his refuge, that he should come again to dwell in the land until the death of the priest. So you shall not pollute the land wherein you are, for blood it defileth the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that is shed therein, but the blood of him that shed it. Defile not, therefore, the land which you shall inherit, wherein I will dwell. For I, Yahweh, dwell among the children of Israel. End of chapter 35. Okay. 36. And the chief fathers of the families of the children of Gilead, the son of Maker, the son of Manasseh, or the families or of the sons of Joseph, came near and spake before Moses and before the princes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel. And they said, Yahweh commanded my Lord to give the land for an inheritance by lot to the children of Israel. And my Lord was commanded by Yahweh to give the inheritance of Zelophehad, our brother, unto his daughters. And if they be married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the children of Israel, then shall their inheritance be taken from the inheritance of our fathers and shall be put to the inheritance of the tribe whereunto they are received. So shall it be taken from the lot of our inheritance. And when the jubilee of the children of Israel shall be, then shall their inheritance be put unto the inheritance of the tribe whereunto they are received. So shall their inheritance be taken away from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. And Moses commanded the children of Israel, according to the word of Yahweh, saying, The tribe of the sons of Joseph hath said, Well, this is the thing which Yahweh does command concerning the daughters of Zelophehad, saying, Let them marry to whom they think best. Only to the family of the tribe of their father shall they marry. So shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel removed from tribe to tribe. For every one of the children of Israel 
shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. Okay, so the uh, the the husband and the uh, you know, the marriages, as we have been trying to say all along, the 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 marriages of the Israelites devolve unto the male, uh, unto the husband. Okay. And uh, that's how the inheritance, not to the, not to the mother as the Jews do, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. but to the father as we do. Back to you. All right, verse yeah. eight. And every daughter that possesses an inheritance in any tribe of the children of Israel shall be wife unto one of the family of the tribe of her father, that the children of Israel may enjoy every man the inheritance of his fathers. Neither shall the inheritance remove one tribe to another tribe, but every one of the tribes of the children of Israel shall keep himself to his own inheritance. Even as Yahweh commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophehad. For Mala, Terza, and Hagla, and Milcah, and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, were married unto their father's brother's sons. And they were married into the families of the sons of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of the family of their father. These are the commandments and the judgments which Yahweh commanded by the hand of Moses unto the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho. Okay, so this is well before the time of Ruth, and we can see that the uh, establishment of the inheritance according to the fathers is you know, is uh, stated right here and has been preserved by us from that day forward. Okay, it's only the Jews who do differently. So this is just more proof that the Jews are not Israelites because they don't obey the commandments of Yahweh. They pretend to. They pretend to. Yeah, they're good pretenders. <laughs> they, they, put, they probably uh, they quote verses from the Old Testament sometimes, don't they? They're, yeah, right. But they don't look like they're. Yeah, but they don't uh, very often quote from these inheritance chapters because they they violate these inheritances, right? Mm-hmm. They totally violate them. Okay, so before we pr- proceed into the book of Deuteronomy, uh, I'm, uh, right, Deuteronomy, let's uh, discuss these meanings because uh, the Kenizzites and the Kenites have been you know, mentioned many times up to this point, and we need to be clear that the, uh, well, there's the, the frequent references by Judeos that uh, suggest that non Adamite blood can be mixed with Adamite blood is totally false, and the, the the word Kenite and Kenizzite does not always mean a racial Kenite or Kenizzite. It can mean the the type of work they were engaged in. Right, this is not contained in the Strong's Concordance. You have to do a deeper research to find out what's really going on here. So let's go in. I believe the word Kenizzite first. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, then the, Kenite, back to you. The Kenizzites, spelled K E N I Z Z I T E, were an ancient tribe who lived somewhere in the Levant long before Abraham settled in Canaan, which are mentioned along with the Kenites and the Kadmonites and other better known peoples. Genesis chapter 15, verse 19. That is to say, it's generally understood that the list of nations whose territories were transferred to the descendants of Abraham were tribes or kingdoms that had to be engaged in warfare. But that's because folklore commonly understands Abraham to be a biological ancestor and theological pioneer and hero. 
in in the Bible and observe an observable and observable reality for that matter. Abraham is a modus operandi, namely that of international trade, from which arose the perfection of language, script, and eventually science, advanced technology, the internet, and space travel. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like he's saying that the name of Abraham also uh, doubles as a, uh, you know, like for pioneer. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that might be more appropriate for Eber, right? Because it says uh, Eber actually means, even in uh, strong concordance, one who crosses over, right? Crosses one river, which is uh, basically um, pioneer. Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. someone who wanders from place to place. Okay, but still in all, uh, we're only talking about Adamites, the descendants of Noah, right? And so it's not just a name that uh, means trade, <laughs> right? I've never heard this, that the word Abraham could be uh, mean traitor. Maybe it can. Uh, this first I've heard of that. Back to you. Likewise, the Kenizzites may not have actually been a populist gene pool deriving from some shared ancestor named Kenes or Kenaz because that's implied in the name, but rather a recognizable and consistent way for relatively primitive people to exist. The modus operandi in turn follows naturally from the abilities, desires, and concerns of human beings, which should be expected to be highly similar anywhere in the world, which in turn suggests that the Kenizzites were not even necessarily related or even aware of each other. Right, so that would be true of many of the tribes, the sojourning tribes of Arabia, right, which, uh, which would be true also of the Midianites, who were descendants of Abraham, but uh, they, they wandered far and wide. They were small, uh, you know, tribes of, uh, you know, tent dwellers, small mm-hmm. tribes of tent dwellers who uh, may, in many cases, never encountered one another, <laughs> right? But uh, in, uh, wandered through a, a va- the vast Arabian desert, which was not quite as bad a desert in those days as it is today, right? So they could have survived in the various oases and trade routes going from one place to another. Back to you. The only Kenizzite of whom we know the name is Jephune, the Kenizzite, the father of Caleb, the friend of Joshua. This is rather significant because Joshua and Caleb were the only two men who survived the wandering years of Israel in the wilderness. Only Joshua of Ephraim and Caleb the Kenizzite of Judah both personally remembered Egypt and as they settled in the Promised Land. Caleb additionally inherited the ancient city of Hebron, which would be the capital of Israel until King David moved it to Jerusalem. Okay, so a Kenizzite is not a racial term necessarily. Okay, it's a, a term for, I guess, a wanderer, and uh, it's not clear what uh, they're suggesting here, but uh, it's a tribe that has a particular skill, right, and a modus operandi, as they use the term here, and that's what it really means. It doesn't, it doesn't necess- necessarily mean as a racial term, is what I'm trying to say. All right, back mm-hmm. to you. Okay. The ethnonym Kenizzite is an adjective that derives from the verb Kenaz, spelled Q-A-N-A-Z, which doesn't occur in the Hebrew of the Bible, but exists in Arabic with the meaning of to hunt or snare. Okay, so it's hunter, so hunter-gatherer. Mm-hmm. How about that, folks? The Kenizzite, word Kenizzite really means hunter-gatherer. Back to you. Good stuff. Yeah. 
The verbs kenaz and kenas are both assumed to be transliterations of the same cognate verb that means to hunt, snare, or capture. Besides two names that derive from kenaz, a noun kanas occurs only in Job chapter 18, verse 2, and is assumed to describe a snare or other such implement of the hunt. The name kenazite means hunter or trapper, but is a name like fisherman or troglodyte or tanner or metallurgist or technician, which was the profession of Jesus and Joseph. It doesn't describe physical descent, but an occupational niche that would ultimately be absorbed into the worldwide market of human trade. Since the Bible is only interested in the evolution of the wisdom tradition rather than politics or biological descent. Oh, really? Nation, <laughs> yeah, right. Wow, that's going too far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The nature of Kenazite should be understood to relate to wisdom. A knowledge, you know, uh, skills, you know, trades, mm -hmm. etc. Okay. Just like Jesus taught his disciples to be fishers of men, so should the Kenazite be understood to be a hunter of men. And just like the legendary Nimrod was a mighty hunter before Yahweh, so were the Kenazites known for their contribution to the greater world of human interaction and exchange that would ultimately form the crib within the Word of God, within which the Word of God could assume human form. Okay, so that uh, Kenazite has uh, uh, been assumed to be a, a tribal descent, which you know is par only partially true. It's actually talking about the hunter-gatherers and the the uh, nomad, dom dom nomadic lifestyle that these hunter-gatherers had. Okay, mm -hmm. so all right, so let's take a look at the word Kenite. Kenite, and it says, starting at the top here, meaning nesting, people of the spear, senatorial. Oh, huh. Well, that's a really wide range of meanings. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> From spear chucker to senator. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I right. guess you're talking about the same thing. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true even today, right? They, but they hire yeah. the spear chuckers today, right? They don't actually uh -huh. do the spear chucking themselves. All right, back to you. Etymology from the noun kin, spelled Q-E-N, nest, or kin, Q-Y-N, spear from the verb Q-Y-N, to forge or put together. Okay, now we know that the Kenites from uh, uh, Genesis chapter 4, the descendants of Cain, all right, uh, we find out that all, all the descendants of Cain himself became metal workers, spear chuckers, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, artisans in the various, uh, you know, they could make weapons of war out of metallurgy and instruments, right? Horns, brass instruments, that, that sort of thing. So the word Cain, although it derives uh, from the same Ken here, is, can also mean the trades that they were engaged in, but nevertheless, they were descendants of Cain, right? So, and then later on, the, the term Kenite was applied not to descendants of Cain, but to the metal workers who uh, you know, engaged in metallurgy, but not derived mm -hmm. from Cain. All right, back to you. The name Kenite in the Bible. There seem to be two different peoples called Kenites in the Bible. Although Nobsey's study Bible name list makes no distinction, 
both BDB Theological Dictionary and Jones Dictionary of Old Testament proper names separate the Kenites into one, a Canaanite tribe whose territory God promises to Abraham, Genesis 15:19. A famous Kenite of the first order is Hamath, the founder of the house of Rechab, which included the three scribal families that lived in the Jabez of Judah. First Chronicles chapter two verse fifty five. Okay, so here we have the word Kenite uh, being the dis descriptive of direct descendants of Cain, but also a uh, a type of uh, you know it's used for the metallurgical people of, uh, of Judah. Okay, mm -hmm. all right, yeah. And the second meaning uh, from the Jones Dictionary is a people living in the de in the territory of the Amalekites descended from Hobab, and thus Jethro, the father in the law of Moses. A famous Kenite of the latter order is Heber, the husband of Jael, who killed Sisera, Judges Ooh, chapter 4, verse 17. Good woman. These Kenites, <laughs> collective, yeah. These Kenites are collectively referred to as Cain, spelled the same as the name Cain, C-A-I-N and K-I-N. Yeah, right. In... Numbers chapter 24, verse 22, and Judges chapter 4, verse 11. Okay, so it's not necessarily the case that the word Kenite refers to direct descendants of Cain. It also refers to people who engaged in metallurgy. Yeah, please continue. The etymology of the name Kenite. The name Kenite seems to be an ethnonym derived of the name Cain, suggesting that the Kenites are the Canaanites. The name Cain comes from the noun Quin, meaning spear, from the verb kin, meaning to forge or to put together. And it's spelled Q-Y-N here. Q-Y-N, yeah. yeah. Right. The verb Canaan, spelled Q-A-N-A-N, isn't used in the Bible, but it appears to tell of the weaving of many strands into a dynamic and interlocked network. These strands may be reeds and twigs that a bird weaves into a nest, or it may be acts of trade and routes of commerce that together... Ah combined into a bustling economy. Very interesting. Okay. <clears throat> Noun Q-E-N means nest, and verb Kenan, spelled Q-I-N-N-E-N, means to make a nest. Verb Kana, spelled Q-A-N-A, means to obtain, to acquire, or in some instances to create. It's the regular verb for a commercial purchase. Noun Kenan, Kenyan, Q-Q-I-N-Y-A-N describes an item acquired or created. Noun migne, M-I-G-N-E-H, means cattle as unit of commerce. Noun mikna, M-I-Q-N-A, means purchase or purchase price. Noun kana, Q-A-N-E-H, denotes some herb on a stalk or any rod, reed, branch, or stalk-like item. In this sense, a plant acquires its branches. Hmm. The verb kin, spelled Q-Y-N, which isn't used in the Bible, occurs in cognate language with the meaning to, of to fit together, fabricate, or forge, often of metal things. In the Bible occurs only the noun Q-A-Y-I-N, meaning spear. Note that our modern word franchise comes from a word that meant spear and originally denoted a free man. <laughs> one who had the authority to bear arms, own property, and thus conduct trade. Yeah, if you don't have arms, you're not free. That's right. <laughs> the, 
The earliest republican government of Rome was called Curia, literally spear bearers, and the link between being a spear bearer, a spear or other such ceremonial weapon and a senatorial government, a government by tribal elders, appears to have been pretty much globally understood throughout history. Okay, not anymore. This is a very, a very good history lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Noun, kina, spelled Q-I-N-A, denotes a person, a kind of sad poem, a dirge or lamentation, which both had to be fabricated and could presumably pierce a person's soul like a spear, which is an obvious biblical figure of speech. See Luke chapter 2, verse 35. The denominative verb, Conan, Q-O-N-E-N, means to do a dirge, which could be either a to chant or compose one. The verb takein, T-A-Q-A-N, means to make or become straight. Of course, a forge in a straight line, like a spear. Mm-hmm. Okay, very interesting. Okay, so we see the correlation between spear making and spear chucking <laughs> and mm-hmm. authority of some tribe or government, right? Okay, very interesting. Yep. Okay. All right, well, and we got this... Uh, one more section here. here. Yeah, right. Yep. Nob's N-O-B-S-E study Bible name list translates the name Cain with Smith, or more specifically, coppersmith, and hence finds the Kenites to be pertaining to coppersmiths. Jones' Dictionary of Old Testament Proper Names takes a completely different approach and abandons the possible relation with the name Cain altogether. Joan refers to Balaam's remark that the Kenite has his nest set in the cliff, Numbers chapter 24, verse 21, and the Hebrew word for nest is ken, Q-E-N, meaning nest. Hence, Kenite means nest, says Jones, with which he appears to ignore the final, more complete would, final, the final, Y-O-D, more complete would be nestling. Okay, so the Kenites, the Kenites derived from Cain, had nests in the hills, you know, which is where Esau and the tribes of Canaan nestled, right? So to nestle, in other words, okay, mm-hmm. nestling, very good. But immediately after his reference to the Kenite and their nest, Balaam speaks of a certain Cain, that's Kenite without the ethnonym Ike part, which is spelled identical to the name Cain. C-A-I-N, Numbers chapter 24, verse 22, same as in Judges chapter 4, verse 11. Of course, Cain and his line were blotted out in the flood of Noah, but somehow the patriarchies of Jabal and Jubal survived. Well, that's not true. One they, so, they survived. I don't think that's true either. No, no, they survived the flood. Yeah, back to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately, they did. Yeah, unfortunately, they did. Right. <laughs> One solution to this continuity conundrum might be offered in the possibility that the wives of Noah and his sons were liar-plucking and tent-dwelling canines. Oh, no, 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 no way. (laughs) (laughs) They they were uh, liar-plucking and tent-dwelling canines in the land of Canaan, but not on Noah's Mm -hmm. Ark. Yeah. Another solution comes with the assumption that these stories are not primitive myths, but rather highly advanced commentaries on the fundamental qualities of human cultural evolution. In that case, the Kenites might be understood to embody a similar social experiment as what carried Athens into Greece's fabled golden age. 
see our article yes. on Mary. Okay. All right. So uh, the the I think what we can draw from these two articles is that these words don't necessarily mean persons or uh, you know, a, a racial designator, which they often are. Okay. Such as a Kenizzite being a Canaanite by race, or a Kenite meaning Cain and the descendants of Cain. But uh, in later development and usage of the word, they can refer to their occupation. Okay? So we cannot jump to the conclusion that, the, uh, that uh, who was Caleb and the uh, Kenaz or Kenizzite is a racial designator in all cases. It may be, it may not be. You have to really look at the genealogy of the people who bear that name. And you can't jump to the conclusion that some people of Judah were in fact non-Adamite you know, Canaanites. Can't jump to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. So, so you really have to do word studies here very carefully before you can you know, jump to that conclusion, which of course the Ju- uh, Judeos often do because they want to, and the Jews often do, because they want to uh, muddy the genealogy of Yahshua Messiah. That, that the Jews have a distinct, you know, uh, what do you call it, uh, reason for doing that. And the Judeos follow the Jews along those lines and pretend that the line of Yahshua was muddied by non-Adamic blood. And of course, that's not true. All right. Okay. So let's go All into, right. yeah. Uh, ne- next book of the Bible. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter yes. 1. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazaroth and Dizahad. There are eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir into Gadesh Barnea. And it came to pass in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, according unto all that Yahweh had given him in commandment unto them. After he had slain Sihon, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt in Ashtaroth, in Idri. On this side, Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law, saying, Yahweh our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you, and take your journey, and go to the mount of the Amorites, and unto all the places nigh thereunto, in the plain, in the hills, and in the vale, and in the south, and by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which Yahweh swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. And I spake unto you at that time, saying, I am not able to bear you myself alone. Yahweh your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are this day as the stars of heaven for multitude. Yahweh God of your fathers make you a thousand times so many more as ye are, and bless you as he has promised you. How can I myself alone bear your cumbrance and your burden and your strife? Take you, wise men, and understanding, and known among your tribes, and I will make them rulers over you. And ye answered me, and said, The thing which thou hast spoken is good for us to do. So I took the chief of your tribes, wise men, and known, and made them heads over you, captains over thousands, and captains over hundreds, 
and captains over 50s and captains over 10s and officers among your tribes. And I charged your judges at that time saying, hear the causes between your brethren and judge righteously between every man and his brother and the stranger that is with him. You shall not respect persons in judgment, but you shall hear the small as well as the great. You shall not be afraid of the face of man, for the judgment is God's. And the cause that is too hard for you, bring it unto me, and I will hear it. Okay, uh, let me uh, interrupt here because I accidentally switched uh, uh, switched to John. <laughs> Lost my place here. Where are we at in Deuteronomy? Okay. Uh, we are on uh, chapter 1, verse 18. Verse 18, okay, very good. Yep. Yeah. Okay, now these captains... Uh, would be the leaders of the Israelites, and what's actually being described, this is not describing a standing army, but it's describing a militia, so that the Israelites would be ready to go to war, and in fact, every Israelite man had to learn the arts of war, okay, and be ready to fight uh, whenever the nation uh, was attacked by an outside enemy. Okay, unfortunately, they attacked each other too. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's another story. We'll get into that in subsequent chapters. Back to you. Verse nine, uh, verse eighteen. And I commanded you at that time all the things which you should do. And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw by the way of the mountains of the of the mountain of the Amorites, as Yahweh God our command, our, as Yahweh our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said unto you, ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which Yahweh our God doth give unto us. Behold, Yahweh thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as Yahweh God of thy fathers has said unto thee. Fear not, neither be discouraged. And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land and bring us word again by what way we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. And they turned and went up into the mountain, and came unto the valley of Eshcol, and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands, and brought it down unto us, and brought us word again, and said, It is a good land which Yahweh our God does give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of Yahweh your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because Yahweh hated us, he has brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakins there. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. Yahweh your God, which goes before you, he shall fight for you, according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness, where thou hast seen how, they, how that Yahweh thy God bare thee, yeah. as a man doth bear his son, in all the way that you went until you came unto this place. Yet in this thing you did not believe Yahweh your God who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in, in fire by night to show you what way you should go in a cloud by day. Did you yeah, this, yeah, this is just proof that the Israelites were still a very uh, uh, unfaithful people, lacking with all the miracles that Yahweh had created, done for them, 
mm-hmm. to that point in time, they were still a faithless people, right? As many of us still are today, right? Yeah. Okay. Verse 34. And Yahweh heard the voice of your words, and was wroth, and swear, saying, <laughs> right. Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give unto your fathers. Save Caleb the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and to him I will give the land that he has trodden upon, and to his children, because he has wroth, because he hath wholly followed Yahweh. Also Yahweh was yeah. angry with me for your sakes, saying, Thou also shalt not go in thither. But Joshua the son of Nun, which standeth, standeth before me, he shall go in thither. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Moreover, your little ones, which you, sh- which you said should be a prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in thither, and unto them I will, will I give it, and they shall possess it. Okay. But as for you, turn you and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Then he answered and said unto me, We have sinned against Yahweh. We will go up and fight according to all that Yahweh our God commanded us. Finally. And when ye had girded on every man his weapons of war, you were ready to go up into the hill. And Yahweh said unto me, Say unto them, Go not up, neither fight, for I am not among you, lest you be smitten before your enemies. So I spake unto you, and you would not hear, but rebelled against the commandment of Yahweh, and went presumptuously up into the hill. And the Amorites which dwelt in that mountain came out against you, and chased you, as bees do, and destroyed you in Seir, even unto Hormah. Mm. And you returned and wept before Yahweh, but Yahweh would not hearken to your voice, nor give ear unto you. So you abode in Kadesh many days, according unto the days that you abode there. Yes, and Seir is where Esau yep. dwelt. Okay, so yeah, the idea that uh, flood was global is just utterly, you know, presumptuous <laughs> to use a word. It is. Yeah, totally presumptuous, and would would um, ha- you would have to have again, you know, the Judeo Christians believe that all races came from Adam, right? And then after all the races, except everybody on the whole planet, except the eight that were aboard the uh, ark. Uh, so now they're speculating, well, there had to be some none, uh, uh, none of the eight, <laughs> right, aboard the ark. And then all the races devolved from Noah and his family, right? I mean, come on. Come on. You know, the, glo- mm-hmm. the flood ridiculous. was simply, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, it uh, violates the laws of genetics, and uh, you're jumping to conclusions about the meanings of the word Earth, Eretz, which does not mean globe or planet. It simply means territory or land, right? So, uh, yeah, you, the fact is that these denominations do not bother with word studies and simply jump to conclusions, okay? And mm-hmm. so it just shows the lack of scholarship and the lack of attention to detail that uh, has accrued among these various denominations. They're not willing to uh, lift a finger to do some real deep study into the words that you know we have just discussed, Kenizzites and, uh, and Kenite. Okay, so it can mean a racial descendant of Cain, but not always. All right, sometimes it means metalsmith. 
right? So you have to take these dual meanings. You know, any dictionary, you know, the problem with it will have many meanings of a single word, okay? Mm-hmm. So you have to determine which is the correct definition to employ for a given verse. Context. Right? Yeah, and con- context. yeah, and the context is extremely critical. And uh, Judeo-Christianity is not contextual. They simply, you know, pick and choose the context they want rather than the context that is given in Scripture, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, and so uh, the Jews go out of their way to try to besmirch the genealogy of Yahshua Messiah, and that's what they constantly do in the Talmud. The Judeo-Christians should understand us, but they don't. They simply don't. They, they they will simply hang on the words of a rabbi, <laughs> right? And mm-hmm. then and then uh, you know, tr- try to insist that Ruth the Moabitess was uh, racially uh, you know smirt besmirched, right? And not racially pure when uh, it's really obvious that she was racially pure. Okay, so this is what we have to deal with with the various denominations of uh, you know Judeo Christianity. Okay. Interesting, Swamp Fox says that the uh, Companion Bible translates verse 20 to Amorites as descendants of the Nephilim. Well, that's correct. Yeah, so they survived the flood too. Absolutely they survived because the flood was local, not global. That the, the, this, this debate between the global flood versus local flood is absolutely crucial to the proper understanding of the Bible and you know this myth that the flood was global has to be shattered, okay? It has to be. So and I, we, we've done as much as we can, I think, but uh, I really haven't uh, done a, 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 a research study myself, uh, but ma- many people have gone uh, online uh, you know, proving that the flood was local, not global, you know, and so we just have to keep arguing that point, okay? All right, all right, Dan, thank you very much. All right, thank you. Yeah, okay. Enjoy all it. Right. Me too. All right. Take care, everybody. Yahweh bless. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.